Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on the Divine Messages podcast. My name is Karina, and I am a psychic medium out of Calgary, Alberta. Today's episode is a little bit different than the others. A few days ago, as I was falling asleep, my spirit team told me that they wanted me to do an episode called Dear Diary. And I was so tired, but I sent myself a quick message so that I wouldn't forget about it in the morning. And when I woke up the next day, I asked them what they meant by a Dear Diary episode. And they told me that I was to go find my old diary and quote things from it. And at first I was thinking, oh my God, no way. It's so personal. But they explained to me that I've been guided to be very open so that I could help others. And I've really been trying to do that, especially in the last few episodes. It had been at least two or three years since I've seen my old diary. And I figured it was buried in one of our old bins that we had in the basement. So that day I made a coffee and I went on a mission to find it. I swear I ripped open every single box down there and bin that we had, and it was nowhere to be found. And I must have spent a good hour or two down there, and I started to question my spirit team. I started wondering if it was some sort of test or lesson for me. I started to think, am I really supposed to find it, or am I just supposed to work through some more old emotions from my past? And I was just about to give up looking because I figured if they really wanted me to do the episode, they would help me find it. Then all of a sudden, as I was about to go back upstairs, I got this strong message to ask and see where it was located. You know, sometimes I forget that as a clairvoyant, I can ask to be shown where something is, and they will always give me the location in the form of an image. So I stopped, closed my eyes, and said to my team, if you really want me to do this episode, please show me where I put this diary. And no word of a lie, I saw them flash an image of a gray box with black handles, So I went to my husband and asked where this hard shell gray box was, and he said he thought that he had seen it in the garage. So we both go out and we find not only one gray box, but two. And he hands me the first one and I open it up, but it wasn't in there. So when I open up the second box and what do you know, the diary is in it. So here I am doing this episode because I know that it must be one that they find really important because they helped me to find it. And to be honest, the second that I held that diary in my hands, I really started to feel quite anxious because I hadn't read it in so many years because I've been afraid to. And it took me a few hours to find the strength to open it up because I knew that reading the entries would make me quite sad. So let me take you back to when I was just eight years old. I was always dancing or singing. Music was an incredible escape for me. And back then I loved music from Madonna and I would put her records on and feel carefree and dance around. But that year, the movie Annie had come out, and when I had seen it, I had fallen in love with all of the songs and all of the characters. And I remember begging my mom for the Annie diary that they had made. It was all I could think about, and it was red with a photo of her and her dog on the cover, and it even came with a little lock and tiny key. And one day when we had gone to the mall, we had gone into the bookstore, and my mother actually bought it for me. I was over the moon with excitement for this diary. I could not wait to start writing in it. My very first entry was January 20th, 1984, and my last was October 9th, 1994. There wasn't actually a lot of entries within those years. Randomly, I would just write something on a day when I felt like it. So that day when I found the diary, I mustered up the strength to finally read it and I discovered why they actually wanted me to do this episode. And I'll explain a little bit more as I go on. So on May 1st, 1989, I would have been about 14 years old. I wrote this, Dear Diary, 
Some days I get so depressed about everything in life, I don't even feel like living. I wonder what it's like to be dead. Do you have another life? February 11th, 1990. Dear Diary, I can't take it anymore. I'm always depressed. Even my friends and cousins notice it. I have very bad mood swings, and lately, every little thing is bothering me. Today, for instance, my parents would say something to me and tears would come to my eyes. I truly hate life. I have even considered running away or killing myself. I break down and cry almost every single night. The mood swings I have are unbelievable. I'm rarely in a good mood. Weird things always happen to me. May 9th, 1990. Dear Diary, I've been so depressed lately. I just don't know how to handle anything anymore. I'm constantly worrying about everything. I can't control my eating either. I've gained a lot of weight and look disgusting. All I do is binge and I can't seem to control myself. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I hate my life. I really do. I am so damn ugly, fat, stupid, and totally effed up. May 15th, 1990. Dear Diary, The thing I hate so much is that people never understand me. I wish that they could know exactly how I feel, but they don't, and I figure that they never will. Lately, I've been so depressed. I've made so many mistakes, and I wish I weren't alive. April 21st, 1991. Dear Diary, I guess my social life has gone down the drain. I'm grounded again. I'm sure my parents would be happy if I moved out, and maybe I will. What if I killed myself? Would they then feel that they had driven me to it? Well, it would be true. They don't know what it's like to be me, Karina, the ugly fat one. How would they like to be as ugly as I am? God help me, I will rebel so bad that they'd wish they'd never had me. I hope that I become so sick from not eating that they feel real bad because of all the times they called me fat. July 19th, 1993. Dear Diary, so much has happened. I had to go to school counseling because of the sexual assault on the plane ride to BC. It affected me so much. I am now almost manic depressive and no one sees it. November 15th, 1993. Dear Diary, I leave to go to BC in two days for court to testify against that guy. I'm nervous as hell. I don't think my mom knows I'm going and I know she doesn't care. I can't stand living here at home because no one talks to each other and it's making me even crazier than I am. And as I sat there reading my own words from my younger years, what I realized was that I had suffered alone. I hid behind closed doors. I hid the pain that I was feeling and I didn't tell anyone. I put on a brave, happy face and tried to convince everyone that I was just fine. I went about my life wearing a mask and no one knew that I was dying inside. No one knew that I wanted to end my life or that I felt so misunderstood. I hated myself. I hated the way I looked and I never felt good enough in any way. And I was screaming for attention in all the wrong ways. And I just wanted someone to look at me and tell me that they knew that I wasn't okay. But sadly, no one did. And they didn't because I was so good at keeping up my facade that I truly had everyone fooled. And when I got to my 30s and was going through my healing journey, I would have some healers tell me that my energy was so vibrant that I must have had a really great life filled with pure happiness. Meanwhile, it was at that very same time 
that I was contemplating suicide. Again, no one saw that pain that I was feeling until I allowed them to. If I could hide my pain and anguish from healers and they couldn't see it, imagine how many people are struggling as I once was and are hiding it too. That best friend that you have that you feel is always holding you up by listening to your problems may be the very one that is drowning. And that co-worker that is cracking the funniest daily jokes at work may be the one that goes home and is making a plan on how to end their life. That teen that is posting selfie after selfie wanting to be seen, truly seen, may be the one that needs someone to have them tell them that they are worthy. Maybe they need them to look at them and tell them that they know they aren't okay. That young teen boy who is hiding behind his group of friends, trying to stay in the background, may be the one at night who wonders if anyone is going to miss him if he pulls that trigger. There is that saying, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind always. That is the most accurate saying that I have ever heard. And I've lost count of the readings that I have done with people who have lost a loved one to suicide. I have been to that very dark place too many times in my life, and I understand how that choice is made. And I am still here fighting my way through life because thankfully, I have such wonderful people who see me when I'm not okay, because I allow them to see. They will call me out on it and do everything they can to lift me up, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But think of how many people don't have that. And also think about the ones that are hiding their pain like I once did. We are in the middle of a pandemic and we just finished the Christmas holidays and there are people who are struggling more than they ever have in their lives. The teens that are isolated, the people who are suffering from seasonal affective disorder, the people who have lost their jobs or businesses, the people who have lost loved ones or are missing their loved ones so much it hurts. Life has not been easy this last year, and my spirit team needed me to do this episode to have us all look out for one another. Look deep, really deep into your friends and loved ones. Do you see behind their smile? Do you notice a change in them? Everyone that struggles with deep sadness and pain wants to be seen, but their egos get in the way and they put on such a brave damn face. And I know this because I did this. And what I've now learned is that it is okay to admit that you aren't okay. We don't always have to have our shit together. It is not weak to reach out and tell someone that you need help. I think that that is actually one of the bravest things that you could ever do. So many of the families that I have worked with have lost someone from suicide. And they've all said that they may have known that they had struggled with depression and anxiety, but they never thought they would actually end their life. And it's not only suicide, it's also the people that have overdosed on drugs because they were so caught up in trying to end their pain that they made a choice that cost them their life. The other day I did a reading for a young mother who has three small children, and her youngest son's father died of an overdose just 10 days before this past Christmas. She had known that he was doing a little bit of drugs, but she never knew that he was a true addict. And in the reading he had told her that he didn't choose to take his life. He had said that he had mixed several things that day and accidentally overdosed. And during our FaceTime session, her little guy who was five came into the room asking his mom why she was crying. And she told him that she was talking to someone about his daddy and that she was sad. And in the sweetest, most angelic voice, he said, But mommy, he is right there. And he pointed across the room. 
and I know without a doubt that he had seen him in that room that day. And the thing that I find so extremely sad is that he actually became addicted to drugs because he was in pain, and he never told anyone. He also chose to suffer behind closed doors, and sadly, his life ended because he never reached out for help. So really think about this one. You could be in line at the grocery store while the lady who is paying in front of you is being rude to the cashier. But little do you know that that lady has lost her child and is in so much pain that she doesn't know how she's going to go on. Or the wife that has lost her soulmate, the love of her life, and doesn't know how she's going to live without them. Or the man that has lost his job and he is feeling like a failure because he doesn't know how he's going to provide for his family. Or the woman or man that was just diagnosed with a deadly disease and they are trying to find the strength to live. Or the addict who is feeling so ashamed of the choices they are making. The truth is, we will never know what battle someone else is fighting behind closed doors. And everyone that is struggling wants to be seen and heard whether they admit it or not. I was once afraid to admit that I wasn't okay. And I was desperate for someone, anyone, to see it and help me, but I chose to suffer alone. And that's what most people do, suffer alone. They choose that for many reasons. They may be afraid to be a burden to others, they may feel that no one cares, or maybe they're just so scared to admit that they are in fact not okay. If we could just learn to look at each other and see right through to the soul, we could help in more ways than we could ever imagine. There is always a little truth behind just kidding, a little emotion behind I don't care, a little pain behind every I'm okay, a little I need you behind leave me alone, and a lot of words behind the silence. So stop whatever you're doing and think about all of your loved ones, your friends, and your co-workers. Look deeper. Who needs your help? Are your children okay? Is your partner or spouse okay? Are your parents, siblings, and friends okay? The greatest gift that we have been given is the gift of communication. Open that door to others. Hold the space for them. Let them know that you are there and will be there without judgment. Pay attention to the small details about their lives, the ones that we miss because we're so busy with our day-to-day -day bullshit. And the most important question here today is, are you okay? Are you struggling and are you suffering alone? Please reach out to somebody. I know that you want to be seen, felt, heard, and understood, and it's okay to not be okay. You are not alone and help is out there for you. All it takes is just that one first step to let someone know that you need help. And one of the most important things that I have learned over my last 45 years is that even if you are afraid to ask for help, you can always ask your angels, your guardian angels and spirit guides. I wish I would have known that in my younger years. They will guide you to the right people and situations that you need once you give them permission to step in. So I want to leave you all with this today. If we could all just learn to lean on each other a little bit more, to be able to get things off our chest, to speak about our pain, our insecurities, and our struggles, we really could heal without suffering alone. So today, reach out to your friends, your loved ones, and your co-workers. Let them know that you are there for them. You may think that you may not make an impact on someone else's life, but your words, 
your energy and kindness could very well save someone. And if it is you that is struggling, I pray that you find the strength to reach out for help. You are not alone. You are here on this earth for a reason. You are good enough. You are worthy. And most importantly, you're loved. So I want to thank you all so much for being here today with me on the Divine Messages podcast. This was not an easy episode for me to record, but I feel like I had to do it because even if it just helps one person, then I've done my job. Please bear in mind that the perspectives and opinions represented in this podcast are based solely on the Divine Messages interpretations. We can in no way be held responsible for the actions of our followers.